hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 54, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm all right, Brennan. How are you doing? You had an interesting week. Yes, that is one way to put it. Yeah. I, uh, shortly after our last episode dropped, I got some bad news about uh, a close friend of mine. So I was, I spent, uh, pretty much the whole week in Vancouver. Yeah. Sort of back and forth, uh, from the Airbnb to Vancouver General Hospital with his partner and, uh, zero stars. Yeah. Do not recommend. No, it's a whole different life. Like you're in a different world. That's exactly. Absolutely. Essentially. But I will say there is an amazing versatility to the hospital cafeteria. (laughs) Well, it depends what hospital you're in. Some of them don't have cafeterias anymore. Really? Yeah. They've got like an area where there's a subway and a Tim Hortons and a, and that's it. There's no cafeteria anymore. Brutal. Yeah, I know. I mean, this one had, it's, uh, it's called the Sassafras Food Fair. Ooh. I oh. just like saying that word. Yes. Sassafras. I will tell you a story about Sassafras one day. Can't <laughs> say it on air. Oh, must be really bad. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, uh, and so they had, you know, you could get a burrito bowl, you could get, uh, noodles, pizza, all this crap. And, uh, but anyway, it, it, I guess I should say the food hall, like where you sit. Okay. Has this amazing versatility because you can eat a meal there. Right. You can take a phone call there. No one cares. Right. You can literally, I know from experience, fall asleep face down or weep openly. Yeah. No one cares. That's good. It's nice. Yeah. It's, it's freeing in a way. That's, a, that's really good. To just be able to sit there and I, 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 cause I snore. Yeah. And I, I am certain I was snoring with my face pressed into this table. <laughs> no one cared. <laughs> well, Good. Cautious hooray. Yay. We'll cautious, a cautious. I like that. Cautious yes. hooray. And Tentative celebration. That's right. Yes. And uh, the Airbnb I was staying in was terrible. Oh, no. Um, it was it was nice. It was the basement floor of someone's house. Right. It started with the check-in. Mm-hmm. Where uh, now the place uh, hosts six people. Right. But, uh, and now bear in mind, I am vehemently opposed to Airbnb under certain circumstances, just, just to be clear. Okay. I have economic objections to Airbnb. Okay. And political, I'm sure. I, I, it, it has, yeah, it, it has yeah. decimated the rental population for people. I'm Very not true. Yeah. Uh, this was an emergency situation, however. All right. Anyways. So it's okay to compromise if... Sometimes you gotta. <laughs> you can't be handsome all the time. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine that's a full-time problem for you. You can go to hell. <laughs> Coming up in the ghost story, guys, just me and the sound of buzzing flies over Ian's corpse. <laughs> and a shovel quietly pressing into the dirt. Yes. Yes. But, uh, so I was, anyway, I was, sorry, emergency uh, Airbnb. Yeah. So I was, I was there with, um, with, with my friend's partner Yeah. and, uh, I booked a place with th- three bedrooms just yeah. in case other people turned up. And so the woman who owns the place, her assistant is showing us around and she shows us one bedroom right. and she goes, here you go. And I said, uh. Yeah, but there are three bedrooms. She's like, oh, no, you don't need those. No, no, we we do, because we're not sleeping so, together. Yeah, we're not together. Yeah, 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 yeah. It took some convincing. Oh, my God. And and she said, and this is the best thing, she said, well, look. She was not, she, her English was a little broken. She yeah. said, the last people who stayed here was a couple 
who were boys. They used all the beds. They what? made a mess. <gasps> oh. So someone had a big old fuck party. I get what she's saying. I get what she's saying. And also for every bed that slept in, it's an extra, you know, 30 minutes work. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. I understand her problem. However, <laughs> yeah, you are yeah. paying for a certain level of accommodation. Yes. So anyways, I managed to explain that me and this other person, we do not share a bed. Nor this would is... we be having a party of that nature. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Although we were joking that when we left, we should have put post-it notes and everything saying, had sex on here. Had sex on here. <laughs> you know, used. Used. Soiled. Soiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, and, and now for five nights, I barely slept because oh, no. not only was I, you know, sort of mentally running through the sure, situation, of course. but, um, the, I'm, I'm fairly certain there was some kind of presence in the Airbnb. Right. Uh, because behind, at the foot of my bed was like a partial wall. Right. With an alcove behind it oh, on both sides. No. And behind there was a baby, uh, what do you call it? Like a crib. Oh Lord. And a chair with a strategically placed lamp that just looked creepy as hell. For breastfeeding. Maybe. I guess, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. And, uh, so I was staring at this all night and, uh, I tried to white light it. Yeah. And now it could just be in my head cause I was upset anyways, but it was like I pissed something off. Well, yeah. And the thing is, I believe that sometimes these entities, not so much people ghosts, but like entities, yeah. um, feed off of our own emotions. Yeah. So if you and your friend's partner were both upset, which of course you would be, right. you're going to attract something probably quite foul right right so that's also it's a vicious circle yeah because then the worse you feel the more it gets yeah that's right. true yeah so uh it, but so there was there was that i always felt like something was going to walk out from behind that wall oh which was very uncomfortable when i was awake which was more than i'd like because also this place had history's loudest plumbing <laughs> no i was laying in bed and there was i think a pipe yeah. that ran directly above the bed bang 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 bang. yep yeah you want to wake up from a dead sleep to knocking in a dark strange room i've got the airbnb for you not okay at one point about two in the morning it sounded like someone upstairs was taking a bath but i know there's no one else in the main house so i don't know oh. if something was filling or but not not great that's weird not great no so Yes. So, um, my, uh, my friend is going to be over there for a while yet, so I'll be heading back over, but I will not be staying at that Airbnb. I think that's probably a good plan. Yes. You might be better off just sleeping under a tree in the park. I, I would feel more secure. <laughs> Even with my laptop, I would feel more secure <laughs> well, doing that. Well, upsetting. Yes. Well, I'm sorry about that. Oh, well, so it goes. What are you going to do? But I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be here and recording episode 54. Yay! The Terror of the Deep. The Terror of the Stories Deep. Stories set in and around water. I'm convinced I'm going to drown. So, dream premonition. One oh, day, of course, right, yeah. Drown, so. Which would have made our my initial choice of song for today's episode perfect. I know. Too bad. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I won't say. No, no, I won't no, say. But no. uh, we approached someone for rights and uh, did not hear back, no. which is fair enough because they're a thousand times more famous than us. So. <laughs> It shouldn't matter. <laughs> well, treat, treat people the way you want to be treated. Uh, true, but I think about the amount of correspondence we receive and how we barely keep up with it. True. And when when your profile is a hundred times, thousand times above that, it's yeah. just exponential. Well, yeah, but then you have people for that sort of thing. But even so, you can't reply to everything. I think if you're people, you can. <laughs> that's that's their job. I don't know. I've, having been people for some of those people, yeah, sometimes true. you just... True, true, true. Ignore stuff. Yeah, true. But anyways, uh, we did actually have something else come out of the woodwork that we got really lucky with our musical guest. Excellent. After we got the no-show from that, I was contacted by Buddy Young from Steel City Ruins, 
who said that they had a new single. Cool. Yeah, we In played Pittsburgh. That's the Pittsburgh guys. That's yeah. exactly them. Yeah, nice. we played a little bit of their stuff on the I think episode thirty nine, The Haunting of Pittsburgh. Very cool. That would make sense. That would, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, on that episode, we played a bit of their song, 1876, which is from their uh, one album, their debut release. And this new single is from, I, I'm hoping, an upcoming album. Nice. Yeah, and it, it's just come out. So like I said, the the confluence of uh, us not hearing back and then uh, Buddy getting a hold of me. It all worked out. Just perfect. Nice. So our musical guest on tonight's show is going to be Steel City Ruins. Very with cool. With their new single, 191 Mountain House. You can find more from them at steelcityruins.bandcamp.com. And they're on all the major streaming services, all the social medias. I, I actually recommend checking them out because I, I bought a copy of one on disc, which is the only CD I've bought in about four years. You know, because I don't buy CDs anymore. No, I buy the odd no. vinyl. I buy a lot of digital music. Right. I don't buy CDs. Interesting. But I did buy a copy of one. I like mm, it that much. Nice. Yes. So, coming up after the break, The Terror of the Deep. Welcome back. As we said before the break, on this episode, we're going to be telling stories that take place in and around water, mostly the ocean, but there is one lake story we included because it was pretty great. Uh, now this is probably not great for you because you just told me on the way into the studio that you've booked a cruise. I have a small one, a short one. Those are the best kind. Cruises the, are the devil. <laughs> a uh, repositioning cruise, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, from LA up to Vancouver. Uh, yeah, you know, as someone who always figured they'd drown, I don't know why I do this to myself. Because this it will does be seem my, my third time on a cruise ship. So. Third time? Yeah. I, I did Alaska, the Caribbean, and then this one. And they were very, very different. And I think it has something to do with regionality. Right. The one from Alaska originated in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So you've got West Coast people, very much like us, essentially. Right, right. Same sort of ways of being and doing. And then the other cruise went from Baltimore. And the people were far pushier. Oh, interesting. Quite obnoxious. Uh, the kind who you'd be in, behind in line for the bacon. And they just take all the bacon. 
Oh. That was bizarre. Well, you, you can take some solace in the fact they're going to die much earlier than <laughs> yeah. Well, they were much larger people. I'm like, not shocked. On, on the East Coast. So it was really interesting because you got a real snapshot of the different differences yeah. in regions. So, yeah, this one originates in L.A., ends in Vancouver. I'm thinking it's going to be mostly just locals going on a little trip. I guess it seems like one of those things maybe not everyone knows about. No. And, I mean, and I've never most heard people, of it if you you're going to fly all the way somewhere, you're not going to want to go for three days. Right. Right. But if you live in Vancouver, yeah, you can even take the flipping train down to LA if you want to. So that, yeah, absolutely. And LA's tons of fun. I love LA. I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't been there probably in 10 years. Oh, exciting. So I'm looking forward to uh, going down and we're going to try and go down a little early and then do some LA things. Nice. Uh, and then uh, head to the ship. So, oh, sweet. It's been about yeah. a year since I've been down there. Okay. LA, yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I can't wait to get back. Oh, your been spiritual home. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Well, I, I'm sure you, your cruise will go well. It'll be full of many wonderful people, and you will probably not drown. Probably not drown. I'll stay away from the deck edges. What is that? The railing? <laughs> deck edges. Oh, I forgot the word for railing. Real sailor. Oh, yeah. big time. I'm like, we're going to go. water in the blood. I said, our cabin's booked at the front of the ship. And I was told, you mean the bow. <laughs> Okay. Of course, because your partner knows boats. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and then I'm like, which side is the starboard? And yeah, just, <laughs> I got an eye roll. The stern. The stern. Is that because everyone's serious back there? I take it back. I hope you do drown. <laughs> Send your applications to ghoststoryguys.gmail.com. <laughs> so do you have any stories uh, from ghost stories, like sort of based around the water yourself? Uh, I had a really unfortunate encounter in Ontario Cottage Country in a boathouse. So it wasn't a haunted boat, but the boathouse was really messed up. Really? Yeah. You would go down there. So the cottage was more up. uh, Cottage country in Ontario is a lot of rocky islands mostly. Gross. In in the multiple lakes and, uh, of course, the Great Lakes. And the cottage was up on the top, and then the boathouse naturally would be closer to the water. I, I hear that's how that works. I know. Yes. Thanks for explaining that one, Ian. And, uh, Your sterling nautical sense at work again. <laughs> that's right. We would have to go down to get the boat out of the boathouse, yada, yada, yada. And one time I was asked to go down there by myself and open the big doors. And, you know, my buddy was going to grab the key. And uh, as soon as I stepped to the door, I was like, oh, no. It oh, really? was overwhelmingly angry and sad. And and I was trying to figure out what it was. At that point, I didn't really have it fine-tuned to be able to do that. Right. But my sense was it was someone who had sort of gone out on a boat ride from this boathouse and never come back. Oh, okay. Uh, and this cabin had been in the family since the 20s. So there was a good chance. Right. Somewhere along the line. And they were just in the boathouse and didn't feel welcome. Of course. In the cabin and were really upset by it. So I don't know. Maybe it was just no one from the family was supposed to be in there. I don't know. Interesting. But it was not cool. Well, th- we do have a story coming up where someone is staying in a, uh, like a guest house. Right. And when the family who owns the property leaves the main house to go somewhere, they are suddenly assailed in the, in the guest house Ooh, by an unhappy presence. That wouldn't be good. So it might be a similar situation yeah. in that either it's... It only likes having the family there. Yeah. Or maybe it's so busy tormenting the family that <laughs> when they were gone, it said, shit, I got to bug someone now. Because now I need another source of energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. But anyways, time to get to the stories. On to the boats. 
Before we get started, we want to check our sources, of course, our usual online sources. And we also use two books. We pulled from Ghost Stories of the Sea by friend of the show, Barbara Smith. Yay, Barbara. And Real Haunted Ships, Boats, Oceans, and Beaches that by covers, Zachary Knowles. That covers up a lot. That's a pretty wide, <laughs> a pretty wide stretch. <laughs> he should have just called it Coastal Shit. <laughs> I feel like his publisher may not have appreciated no. that. No. No. Okay. All right, so let's get started. Footsteps on Deck. In Newfoundland, where I grew up, boating is a very popular pastime, and many people have cabins on islands out the bay, one of which is Swan Island. Swan Island was once inhabited by the Beothuk people, all of whom were wiped out by disease or colonization, and their burial ground is confirmed to be there. When I was seven years old, my family and I were staying with relatives in their cabin cruiser, which was tied to the dock in Swan Island Harbor. About three or four o'clock in the morning, we all awoke to the sound of footsteps walking across the deck inches above our heads. The steps walked from the bow of the boat, oh hey, nautical terms, over the flybridge, down the ladder, and across the lower deck to the stern. Thinking it was a late night caller, my uncle put on his boots, went up through the wheelhouse, and out to the lower deck where the footsteps were last heard. The fog was so thick outside that it took a couple of seconds for him to get his bearings. He first noticed that there was no one on the lower deck. Then he noticed that we were nowhere near the dock in Swan Island Harbor, but were drifting out to sea. He had no idea where we were, in which direction we were going, or why we were drifting away. He moored the boat in deep water and kept watch until the next morning, when he discovered that we had drifted for miles towards the burial ground side of the island. The bowline that had previously secured us to the dock was slashed with what must have been a very dull knife. No other boats were nearby. We all went above deck only to find disappearing in the morning dew, fading footprints, bare feet, in an almost straight line from bow to stern. Wow. Hard pass. Okay, so was the same person who cut the rope the same person who woke them up? That's a good question. I, I wonder if who woke, if they were woken up so As they were find that they yeah. had drifted. Yeah. So did one thing cut the rope? Because, of course, it would hate colonists. Right. And whitey in general. Um, and <laughs> or, something or else it... felt compassion and thought, no, we can't just let these people die. Because, I mean, you, you can end up in a shipping lane. You could end up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beach somewhere. Well, I just wonder, it could even have been some prankster. Just some prankster dick who decided to slash their line. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah, but I mean, people have done worse. I suppose. A look at the news is enough for that. Well, yeah, but that's a that's a pretty malicious thing to do, because you're putting people in serious peril. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I hesitate to, to lay it at the feet of uh, sort of the deceased. You know, vicious, just, vicious locals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it does make you wonder. That's cool. That's a good story. The Trench. When I was about 10 years old, my father would take me fishing once a month. We lived in Guiana, not far from the coast, and would cast our nets into what we called the trench, but was actually a man-made irrigation canal. My job was to prepare the buckets while my father prepared and eventually threw the nets over. One day, my father was slowly pulling the net back up along the bank of the trench when a look of fear passed over his face, and I didn't understand why until I craned my neck over to see. Tangled up in our net were three crabs, the smallest of which was 12 inches across, plus some rather large tentacles. They resembled what we Guyanese call buck crabs, except they were about four or five times larger than those we were accustomed to seeing, and something about them made them truly hideous to behold. I'm everything that comes out of the ocean is fucking gross. Ha! <laughs> no, wrong. 
Dolphins, I guess, are fine. I wouldn't eat a dolphin. Well, no, I wouldn't eat it. Oh, I thought you were talking about eating... No, ocean creatures are delicious, but they are hideous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crabs and lobsters, they are the insects of the sea, and yet we, we pay premium prices to scarf them down with butter. My father secured them in the net, and we proceeded to the home of my grandparents, which was just a few houses from where we were living at that time. When we arrived, he put the crabs on the ground and called his mother and sister to look at what he had brought home. My aunt came out first, took one look at the crabs, and began jumping up and down, hysterically shouting, You brought home those demon things? Get them out of here. My grandmother nearly fainted and then begged my father to go and release them. This all might seem like overkill to you, yeah, it does, <laughs> so I'll tell you why my family behaved this way. My father's grandfather, an immigrant from India, used to work as a cutter in the sugarcane fields, but the money he made there wasn't enough to support his family, so he also fished on the Atlantic Ocean. One day, long before my father was born, my great-grandfather went out to fish and pulled in a huge crab, some 16 inches across its back. He was thrilled at this catch, so he threw it into a quake, which is a bamboo basket with a tightly closed cover, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, and hurried home to show his family. My great-grandfather was an incredibly strong and fit man, but for some reason, by the time he reached his house carrying the captive crab, he was exhausted and needed to rest, so he set the quake down and collapsed next to it. All of a sudden, in full view of his terrified wife and children, he was twisted backwards so violently his heels reached the back of his head. Then an unnatural voice came from the quake, demanding to know why he had been disturbed. My grandfather had no answer. My grandmother was mad with panic, so the question hung in the air. One of their neighbors heard the commotion and came over, only to discover my contorted great-grandfather in a wicker basket, from which a horrible voice emanated. In shock, the neighbor asked the crab what it wanted, and it demanded to be returned exactly to the same place as it had been taken from. Only then would it release my great-grandfather. After a hurried explanation as to where the crab had been caught, the neighbor picked up the quake and ran to that location as fast as he could. Based on the timing given, it seemed that as soon as the crab reached its hole, it released the hold it had on my great-grandfather. That was the last time anyone in the family brought home an abnormal creature until my father. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> or was Dad the abnormal creature? Oh, ho. Oh, ho. Inception. <laughs> I never found out whether or not he set the crabs free, but we did have a crab curry. Later in that week, so we were spared whatever had afflicted my grandfather. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. There's sort of a theme to these stories, and it was something I noticed when we were doing research, is that uh, a lot of these ocean stories come from, much like the taxi stories, a lot of them come from outside America. Right. Uh, and I guess because life is more ocean-based. Well, you're more connected to the ocean. More connected 100%, to the sea, yeah, yeah. 100%. And there's just this real sense with some of these stories about these sort of dark corners of the earth. Places we don't, we just sort of take it for granted. We know more about space than we do about the ocean. Is that a fact? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's something like we've only explored 7% of the ocean. Really? Yeah. We don't know what all the creatures are in there. We don't know what everything is happening in there. And so, yeah, it's kind of arrogant to think... Oh, well, we got this locked up. I mean, just because you live beside it doesn't mean you understand it. Great. So the the crab demon yeah. could be hanging out down there. The king of crab demons. Sure. And as someone who owns a crab trap, I'm suddenly nervous. Yeah, that seems wise. Although 16 inches, I, he couldn't get in my trap. I'm safe. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Moving on. Oh my God. I didn't even think of that. Wow. You're filthy. Thank you. You're welcome. On a calm sea. As a child growing up in Mauritius, an island nation in the Indian Ocean, my family's life was difficult, but we were happy. The following story takes place in 1959 when I was around 15 years old. Much of our livelihood then came from the sea, and the sea offered what seemed like an endless reservoir of resources. 
fish, lobster, crayfish. It was all ours if we wanted it. We were poor, but well-fed. Perhaps not surprisingly, fishing has always been a passion of mine, as it had been for my grandfather, although our shared interests did not necessarily bring us closer together. Grandfather was a harsh, sometimes abusive man who became much worse when he drank, but I could bear to be around him when we were at sea. My father, on the other hand, I could not be around at all, but that's for another story. One day, Grandfather and I set out from Albion on the west coast of Mauritius. At around 5 p.m., we were in his 24-foot boat and hoping to come back with a hold full of fish. The sea was calm and the air was slightly warm, which usually means rain, but the sky was fair, and after sunset, we could see the moon and the stars. We pulled up at one of my grandfather's regular fishing spots, a place we call in French a haute fond, about three or four kilometers offshore. In English, you would call it shallows, places where the seafloor is closer to the surface and the fish come to feed. It's very fishy. Over the next four hours, under that huge black sky, we caught a fair amount of fish and were completely unaware that we'd been pulled quite far from the coast. When we realized what had happened, Grandfather tried to start the engine, but it wouldn't turn over. Again and again, he pulled the starter with no luck. Lucky for us, the sea was calm, but even so, the swells out in the ocean were much greater than they had been at the Haute Fond, and we were not prepared. No radios, flashlights, life jackets, we were all alone, and we were going to have to fight for our lives. For another hour, we drifted further and further away from home, and dark thoughts began to seep into my mind. Would I drown here? Die of thirst? I couldn't shake the idea that I was not going to make it out alive. Then out of nowhere, we heard music. It sounded like old music from the 40s, but we couldn't figure out where it was coming from. By this point, we were maybe eight kilometers from land, making it all but impossible that music from the coast would make it all the way to us, especially as loud as it was. Everything around us became so still, and the music got louder, joined by the sound of people talking, exactly like they would at a cocktail party. Thinking there was a ship nearby that could rescue us, we looked around desperately, but Grandfather and I were still completely alone on our boat under that huge sky. The cocktail party sound came closer. Try to imagine being adrift on the sea at night, powerless in the face of something you don't understand. We started to panic. Grandpa started fighting with the engine. The party sound stopped then, and we began to hear whispers all around us. I could not understand what was being said, but the whispers came in male and female voices. My stomach was so tight with fear that it was sore, and my neck was hard and stiff like a stick. I was feverish from fear. I got hold of the engine's cable and pulled as hard as I could to start it, and the engine fired to life. Grandfather pushed me back, grabbed the throttle, and we shot straight across the waves to the coast. It took an hour to reach the shore, and we were so scared by the time we got there we forgot all our fish on the boat. Seventy-five kilograms of fish spoiled in the sun later that day, but we barely cared. We never did learn what had frightened us out on the water. There are no shipwrecks in the area, and no other fishermen have ever experienced what we did. Some have encountered weird animals, and others think they've seen ghosts floating above the water but nothing else has been quite the same. Prayer. This experience happened in 2008, when my then-girlfriend and I went to Porto Galera. Galera? I'm not sure. Galera. Galera? Okay. A popular tourist destination here in the Philippines. 
At the time, we were on a relatively tight budget, and we were traveling in peak season, so it took some looking to find just the right deal, but when we did find it, it was pretty great. The room we booked for our three-day, two-night vacation could accommodate at least eight people. Wonder if someone tried to tell them they were only allowed to sleep in one of the beds. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> we had our own dining area, living room with plasma TV, and the resort had a bar in its own pool. The beach was only a five-minute walk away, but to get there you had to travel through some pretty creepy woods, and that was the only part of the place we weren't crazy about. When we arrived, we were surprised to find the resort mostly empty. There was only one couple and a family on the first floor, and we were totally alone on the second. Nonetheless, we thought it was kind of cool having the place all to ourselves like that, so we didn't think on it long. We went to the beach, had lunch, and generally did all the things you do on vacation. Around 8pm, we decided to head back to the resort for dinner, and by 10 we were back in our room. That was when things took a turn. Don't they always? Yeah. There was no draft or breeze in the room, yet the bathroom door swung open all the same. Wide open. We'd had a couple drinks at dinner, so we shrugged this off, but at 2am I woke to my girlfriend screaming. Throwing off the covers, I found her halfway out of bed and looking terrified. Once I'd pulled her back up, she told me she had dreamed about three hooded figures pulling her away into some dark place. She then woke up to feel a pair of hands pulling her from under the sheets. Jesus, that is a living nightmare. As I was calming her down, we saw something that looked like a large bird bump into the window. It tried to get in for maybe ten seconds, then it was gone. It was probably a coincidence, but it did not help the situation. We were both scared at that time, so what we did was to pull out the pocket Bible and say a prayer. While we were praying, the bathroom door opened, then closed by itself, and a feeling of dread permeated the room. But as we finished the Lord's Prayer, it seemed that every negative feeling in the room disappeared. When dawn broke, we went outside and onto the beach and spent the whole day there. Yeah, I, I can guess why the room is so cheap. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Free ghosts. Well, it was the unrentable room. Yeah, free terror. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they were alone on the whole second floor. Oh. I mean, I wonder if the whole place is... Got something going on. That's not good. Or you just routinely wake up in a kid or in a tub of ice with a kidney missing. <laughs> yeah, it could be true. Man, I that's my my thing with staying here in the ocean. You know, there's a, a motel not far from my apartment called the um, the, the Surf the, the surf. surf Motel. Yeah, and uh, right on Dallas Road. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when my family used to come to the town to visit, uh, some of them would stay there. And it's a lovely little place, very yeah. retro. Yeah. The staff's great. However. There is something there. Really? I've seen things move in the mirrors. <gasps> really? Yeah. But, uh, I did see that. And of course, it's right on the water. Yeah. Well, and it's only open during the summer. Oh, is it? Yeah. In the winter, they, they pack up and they go to Greece, I believe, for the winter. No way. Yeah. Oh, I They no make idea. enough money in the summer. They can just leave it in the winter. Good for them. Yeah. Good, they good have work a caretaker who lives there and that's it. All right. Man. I was thinking though, the, uh, the prayer, I think that, you know, again, because I don't believe that there are demons, you know, Christian demons. And I don't think that, uh, you know, just reading a couple prayers does anything. No, it's intention. Intention. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, you know, you're so terrified. Yeah. Then you uh, put your power into whatever you're doing and that's, what's going to clear it out. And I tell you, man, something tried to pull me out of bed in the middle of the night. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm 300 pounds. I'd be if sleeping in my car. <laughs> yeah. And I'm saying I'm 300 pounds. If something can pull me out of bed, we've got a serious problem. <laughs> the USS Forrestal. In 1982, I was stationed within Fighter Squadron VF-74 aboard the USS Forrestal. I was in the Naval Air Wing, so our berthing space was just below the flight deck. The Forrestal was a deeply haunted ship, and I cannot tell you how many experiences I had while on board, although back in those days, I often tried to write these experiences off. On numerous occasions, I would see a sailor like myself walk into an area that was just plain old bulkhead and disappear. I tried to find out where he had went, but never could. And young know-it-all that I was, I attributed these visits to exhaustion. 
On other occasions, I would hear voices crying for help in the night, only to awaken thinking I had dreamt it. At another point, I also saw the disappearing khaki-clad chef others have reported. Interesting. Mm. Fascinating that he calls it a deeply haunted ship. I, I'm kind of curious to know what other people have experienced. Well, there. I'd like to know some more of the history of that ship too. That too, yeah. Right. I, I did a little bit of research just to confirm that Fighter Squadron VF-74 had been on yeah. the Forestal, and they were. Mm. So that much is, is verified at Interesting. least. But, um, is we, the Forestal still in service? I'm not sure. Okay. I don't I don't really know military stuff. I don't well. either. No. It's a lack of complete caring. <laughs> yes, I think that I really yeah, don't more care. or less. And we have two other military stories coming up. Excellent. Uh, one of which is actually from World War II. Ooh. This next one's called The Fisherman. All my life, I've lived by the sea here in the UK, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Its salt smell and constant roar have been reliable companions as far back as I can remember. And there was only one time it brought me something I didn't expect at all. I was a teenager, and one weekend during the summer when most of my friends were out of town, the three of us who remained set out for the beach. It was around 12.30 on a bright, beautiful July afternoon when we left my house and started the 20-minute trek along the waterline to the sand. Once at the beach, we sat on the rocks and watched the water, talking about whatever it was we thought was important back then. We were so wrapped up in our lives, we didn't even notice the fact that the beach, which should have been full, was totally empty. Eventually, the unnatural silence bled through our conversations, and we stopped talking too. Not long after that, one of my friends heard a yell, like a man shouting for help. We all jumped up, ready to help, but couldn't see anyone either on the beach or in the water, yet the volume of the cries increased. Finally, we saw in the distance what looked like a man drowning in the sea, so we ran as fast as we could to the water's edge. When we reached him, he was being washed up to shore, and once his feet were on solid ground, he stood up as though nothing was wrong. He was tall, wearing a fisherman's outfit that looked old and worn. My friend peppered him with questions, asking whether or not he was okay, but he just stared at us, never speaking. We heard voices behind us and turned to call for help from the man who we thought was in shock. If we had heard voices, their source was gone, and when we turned back around, so was the old man. We were again alone on the beach, and the only tracks in the sand belonged to us. Huh. Huh. So is that a time slip, or they were caught up in like a repeat of something that had occurred? I'm almost wondering that. You yeah. know, a repeat of a, maybe a, maybe not even a death. Yeah. You know, maybe just An uh, instance a, that a, had a, a huge near impact miss. on the town. Yeah, yeah. Or on just on his life. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I mean, there's a story later of something walking out of the sea, but it's much different. Oh, okay. Yeah, this person is glad this didn't happen to them. Yikes. The Burning Mountain. My grandfather comes from a long line of fishermen and farmers in the Catanduanas province here in the Philippines. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that. <laughs> I, I know we have some listeners in the Philippines. Please let me know. I, and I, I do apologize. When he was a small boy, his father would nudge him awake around two in the morning so he could help him prepare for fishing. Often confused and half asleep, my grandfather would get up carrying the fishing rods on the way to the beach. On one of these trips, the pair got on a small boat and paddled into open water, eventually anchoring near the foot of a mountain and casting bait into the water. For two hours, the pair floated on the sea, waves lapping at the bottom of their boat and they received not a single bite. Still tired from his late night wake up, my grandfather was beginning to get cranky with his father and wanted to go home when the torches appeared. One by one, the tiny lights flickered into being near the top of the mountain, accompanied by what sounded like the laughter of children. My grandfather asked his father, who are those children? To which he received a half thought out answer about neighborhood children playing, 
Remember, this was maybe four in the morning. Yeah, nice try, Dad. <laughs> the next thing they heard was a rumbling sound, like a boulder rolling down the mountain, and the water beneath them started to ripple. My grandfather panicked and demanded to leave, but was told to be quiet. The water beneath the boat was churning. Then, a tug on one of their lines. My great-grandfather picked up the rod and reeled in a fish, which they tossed into a basket. They threw more bait into the frothing water, and more fish bit their lines. Some of the fish simply jumped into the boat. When their basket was full, the rumbling sound disappeared, the water became calm, and the children carrying the torches vanished one by one as if going inside a cave. My grandfather and his father went home puzzled, but with smiles on their faces. Wow. That, I mean, I guess you get fish out of that, but the trauma... I'm not sure I'd be focused on the lines. No. I think I'd be like... Why is the sea boiling? And why are there ghost children coming down the mountain? Yes, yeah. with fl- fire. Yeah, that'd be more my concern. <laughs> Earthquake, volcano. Yeah, I feel like you're sort of burying the lead there. Hey, we had a great night fishing. Also ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fry this up for breakfast. How'd you get this? Oh, the ocean spit it at me. Yeah. It's, cool. It's what's for dinner. Cool. Well, we're going to get KFC. <laughs> The second scariest Jersey Shore. Higby Beach on New Jersey's Cape May was once a nude beach, but over time that designation was changed, though not everyone got the memo. Nowadays, it's not uncommon to find nude retirees starting their stuff along the shore. Whether of Higby proper or Sunset Beach, the secluded and unofficial stretch of sand where nudity is the rule rather than the exception. Anyone who knows New Jersey knows that nude septuagenarians are far from the most dangerous thing the state has to offer, and even on Higby, they're not the most unusual thing you'll see. Some visitors have seen a man in a long black coat and hat walking a black dog, only to have the pair vanish the moment they turn their heads. Others have seen what appears to be a stranded sailor standing atop a sand dune, selling seashells by the seashore, (laughs) only to have him disappear before their eyes. Finally, there's a young blonde girl in what they describe as period clothing, seen by those who call themselves psychic. She simply wanders the beach, seemingly caught between the lands of the living and the dead. Still not the worst thing I've seen in New Jersey. Haunted beach. Haunted beach. I don't think I'd be comfortable being naked around ghosts. I wouldn't be comfortable being naked on a beach. (laughs) I wouldn't be comfortable being naked, period. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Just a couple of never nudes. (laughs) Showering in jorts. (laughs) I was just talking about that show yesterday. Next story is called Man Overboard. It requires a particular kind of personality to work at sea. The person, no matter their gender, must be of stout heart and willing to risk their lives in an environment that can turn from serene to hostile in the blink of an eye. When there is a haunting on board a ship, a crew must bear even more. And for the crew of the British ship, the Pickering, that extra burden was frequently too much. The case came to light in 1987 when British employment authorities in Edlington, England, noted that the crew of the Pickering, helmed by skipper Derek Gates, frequently drew unemployment benefits. The authorities suspected some manner of scam was at hand and so interviewed the crew separately. To a man, they said the work aboard the Pickering paid well and they genuinely enjoyed the company of their fellow seamen, but the boat was haunted by a spirit and that was a bridge too far. According to the crew, the radar would periodically malfunction to a dangerous degree. The steering would become impossible to control, and temperatures below decks would drop to an incredible degree in some spots, but not others. Not only that, but lights would flash on and off despite there being no one near the lights or their switches. 
As luck would have it, one of the government investigators was familiar with the paranormal and decided to do some digging. His research showed that the Pickering had once sailed under an Irish flag, and during that time a man had been swept overboard and never recovered. Privately, the official opined that this was the spirit now haunting the vessel. Whether or not he believed in the actual power of exorcism, or he simply rationalized it would be a good way to put the minds of the Pickering crews at ease, the man brought Anglican minister Tom Willis aboard to sprinkle holy water from stem to stern and pray for the spirit of the deceased man to cross over. Wait a minute, he was Irish. Was he Protestant or Catholic? I'm just saying that would have been a good question. And I, I think it's Before very, you bring on an Anglican. I think it's very emblematic of the English that they did not care. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Well, if he's Protestant, it'll matter. If he's Catholic, it does not. The hell with him. <laughs> According to the skipper in an interview with Reuters New Date, Ha! Reuters Nude Agency. Nude Agency. I'm familiar with them. I'm still caught up in the last story. According to the skipper in an interview with Reuters News Agency, the mood aboard the boat changed immediately after the blessing, with the ship and crew going on to many successful catches in the years that followed. Huh. Thus saying it just takes a band of dedicated Protestants to drive the Catholics into the sea where they belong. <laughs> I don't know if I... Is that hmm. the meaning of that story? Well, it is. I don't know. I miss having a podcast. <laughs> it was fun, you know. <laughs> You're still Except, hiring in coal mines, yeah, right? <laughs> Accepting all uh, applications from Roman Catholic co <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Must bring own guilt. <laughs> the Stormy Sea. A few years ago, my significant other and I were on our third vacation in Maui, and after spending a week in Kihei, we decided to change it up a bit and called a friend of a friend who managed vacation rentals in Paya. The place she hooked us up with was a cute little guest cottage out back of a larger house, and the ocean was basically our backyard. I like backyards that can't kill me. <laughs> yeah. This area was rocky, and the Paya Sea is often stormy, so it was more of a place to watch the waves from than to take a leisurely stroll on the beach. A family was staying in the big house. The first night we stayed there, we made ourselves at home, mixing up some poke, cooking steaks on the hot plate, dancing the old jazz on the radio. I hate these people. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. And watching the big waves rolling up on the rocks until it got dark. The cottage was basically a studio with a nicely sized bathroom, freshly renovated and clean. We both slept well that night, and were pleased at our reasonably priced find after spending so much money in Ritzy Kihei. The next day was Thanksgiving, and the family in the big house was packing their car to leave as we exited our cottage to go enjoy Thanksgiving dinner with our friends who lived in Kula, upcountry. We spent several hours up there and returned to the cottage at about eight that night. Right when we entered, we could both feel that the atmosphere had changed, had become oppressive, though neither of us said anything to the other at that point. We prepped for bed and turned out the lights, only to spend the entire night unable to sleep. I remember a distinct feeling of doom hovering over me, and got the impression that whatever it was came from either the big, empty house or the sea. My significant other later said it felt like a demon was breathing down his neck all night. We both lay there like boards, unwilling to move so as not to anger whatever it was. As the morning brightened into day, the feeling that something absolutely did not want us there persisted, and we ended up packing as fast as possible and getting the hell out of there. After we left the property, he brought up his horrible feelings, and I agreed I had also just spent the night in abject terror. Nothing physical happened, no weird sounds, just a strange, hostile presence that took over every inch of that place and wanted us gone. Before writing this, I asked him to remember that night, what he thought the thing might be, and he didn't want to discuss it. He did mention that he had felt it the first night too, but I had not, and I remember a distinct cozy feeling that first night, as if everything was right with the world. 
I have often wondered if the thing had been in the big house with the family, and when they left, it came to visit with us, though I have no idea if they felt anything untoward at all. If it came from the sea, it would explain how utterly inhuman the thing felt to me, and the sea was stormy that night. But, like many strange experiences, I'm sure I'll never get the answers to my questions. Yeah, probably right. Yep, true <laughs> enough. Yuppie swine. <laughs> Deal with the ghosts. Go dance to your jazz. I imagine the, the, the locals slipping the ghost 20 bucks. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> we'll get rid of the bastards. Nice job. <laughs> Make them take their Prius with them. That's right. Uh, if anyone out there lives or has Hawaii ghost stories, we are looking at doing an episode on the ghosts of Hawaii. Ooh, I bet there'd be lots, actually. I'm sure there are. And uh, if you want to connect, uh, pardon me, correct my pronunciation, please do so. <laughs> We're always open. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> always trying to learn. Creeks Marine. My uncle, my father's brother, was named Egon and served on the infamous battleship Bismarck, losing his life when it sunk. Before then, while he was still in his Kriegsmarine training, Egon came home on leave and told my father a story that haunted him the rest of his life. Egon served on the Schnellboat, or S-boat, in the English Channel in 1940 during the Battle of Britain. Their mission was to save downed Luftwaffe airmen before they could be taken prisoner by the British Navy. One evening, during a nighttime air offensive, Egon's Schnellboat left France and sailed into the Channel. As they cut their engines and waited for their services to be necessary, they became aware of Spanish voices. Thinking that this might be fishermen from neutral Spain, they decided to see if they could pull alongside the boat, or at least move closer, so as to avoid a collision. As the voices grew louder, the Schnellboat's searchlight came upon what could best be described as a 16th century Spanish galleon, under full sail with crew. He said that the ship's details, i.e. planks, rigging, cannons, etc., were all distinguishable, including some of the crew who took no notice of them. Egon and his crew were paralyzed with fear as the vessel sailed past them, proceeding leeward until it vanished from sight. On the return to port, Egon's captain made a report which prompted the crew's separation and redeployment. They were told by high command never to speak of that incident again. Wow. Yeah. For me, what's fascinating is we hear so few stories from the Axis side right. of World War II as far as the paranormal goes. Right. But you know they had it. Of course. Uh, I know there's a book, it's uh, Ghosts of World War II by Matt Swain. Okay. And, of course, we had Matt on the show yeah. way back at the beginning when he put out uh, Ghosts of country music. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see what he pulled up. Yeah. If he, uh, if there's any stuff from the German side, I haven't read that, but maybe we should grab a copy. Yeah. Cause, uh, I would be fascinated by that. Very cool. The lady in the lake. My maternal grandfather grew up in the 1930s in a remote area of Nova Scotia. His mother passed away from a severe ear infection when he was quite young, owing to the fact that there were no doctors in the area who could prescribe antibiotics, which may have saved her life. The story I'm about to relay has been in my family since I can remember. As a little boy of about six or seven, my grandfather didn't really have much supervision. His father was a ferryboat captain and consequently spent a great deal of time away from home. One day, my grandfather and his buddies decided to take a rowboat out onto the nearby lake. They rowed to the middle and were messing around like little kids do when suddenly they dropped an oar into the water. They all paddled their hands to reach it, to no avail, so my grandfather reached for the oar and the boat started to tip. Much to all their surprise, what appeared to be a feminine hand rose out of the water and handed my grandfather back the oar. All the little boys sat quietly for a few moments in shock. They scanned the water's surface to see if someone had possibly gone for a swim, but there was no one in the water coming up for air and there were no other boats in the lake either. They rowed back to shore as quickly as they could and each ran home. My grandfather relayed the story to his stepmother, who stared at him warily. In later years, she confessed that she believed him to be telling the truth. Not too long after, my grandfather and his friends were back at the lake. 
They were standing on a bridge looking into the water when they could see stones being dropped in. The stones were coming from above them and seemed to appear as if they were falling from the sky. My grandfather looked down into the water and there just below the surface was the image of a woman looking up at him. I don't have any more details of what this woman looked like, but it has long been believed in my family that the woman who handed him the oar and the woman under the water were his mother looking out for him, still from the other side. Interesting. Mm. I don't know if I buy the mother, you know, sort of living in the lake, <laughs> waiting for him to, like, you know. Like a, like a, a King Arthur kind of Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of wonder about sort of a nature spirit kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, again, I think we look for the easy narrative, which would be, you know, his mother's hanging around. But I mean, I, it does kind of bug me that we do that, you know, when, when people pass and we kind of, some people turn them into like personal totems. Well, it's like when you have... Um, <clears throat> You know, a jigsaw puzzle, and you just try and hammer a piece in. Yeah. You tell me that's not how jigsaw puzzles work? <laughs> you kind of go, oh, I, I, see a, I see a hummingbird. Right. Repeatedly. Therefore, it must be the spirit of my dead mother. No matter you have a hummingbird, Peter, outside your window. Right. Which is not to say that in occasions where you see sort of surpluses of these things, it can't be something. Yeah, Because I sure. do think that's the case. But I, I think you need to look for... The, I mean, I don't know that a nature spirit's the obvious solution, but no. you know, you look for the natural solution first. I but agree. in this case, I, th- I think I wonder. Yeah, it's, it's a cool story, though. Electric dreams. During my time in the Navy, I served as an officer on a cruiser. One night while we were in port, I was awoken from my sleep by a feeling. What I saw hovering before me was a semi-distinguishable face, but better described as a nebulous form. What I remember most was a sound which filled my ears. Not loud, not soft. Very pleasant, but nothing specific. The closest thing I can describe it as was the sound the transporters made in the old Star Trek, but at a constant pitch and kind of muffled. I could feel myself trying to speak, yet could not hear words out of my mouth. I could feel myself trying to move, but again, nothing was happening. The apparition floated above me for what must have been 10 to 15 seconds, then suddenly disappeared. The sound was gone, I could move, I could hear myself speak, and the rest of my stateroom came back into focus. The first thing I did was reach up and touch the pipes which ran through the overhead to make sure I wasn't dreaming. I had two choices, believe it was a dream or believe it was something else. I didn't draw any conclusions right away. Later that night, I had the mid-watch from midnight to 4am on the quarter deck. Once the drunks are on board, this can be a very boring watch. Two other people are up there with you, the petty officer of the watch and the messenger. Discussion always varies, and that night it turned to ghost stories. We swapped a couple, and my mind thought back to the incident earlier in my stateroom. I shared it with them, with no real conclusion because I had not made one yet. That's when I noticed the pale look on the petty officer of the watch's face. This is what he told me. A year or so ago, on the deployment before my arrival, a young petty officer was doing maintenance on a radar system. He had defeated the safety interlock, a big no-no, on the radar's cabinet, exposing the fully energized klystron, something with lots of power going through it. I tried to look this up, it's very complicated. I'm sure. He was wearing a sound-powered phone set, which is comprised of a headset and a mouthpiece which rests on a metal plate, which itself rests on your chest. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. This young man, who could not have been over 21, got too close to the Klystron, and a high-voltage arc of electricity leapt from it to the metal plate, killing him instantly. The spot where he died was almost directly above where my rack now was, but two decks up. After telling me the story, the petty officer of the watch had the messenger retrieve a cruise book, much like a yearbook, from that deployment. The first page was a memorial to the petty officer who died, complete with his picture, and sure enough, it was his face I could barely make out of my stateroom. We all just stood there. I didn't say anything not immediately related to work for the rest of the watch. (laughs) I just stared out into the night. Wow. 
Given my belief in these matters, I figured he, the ghost, was trying to tell me something. Typically they all are. He woke me up only one other time after the first time. I tried to speak to him, but the same thing that happened to me physically during the first encounter impaired any communication. The ship has since been decommissioned. I only hope he had the opportunity to tell whatever it was he wanted to say to someone else. Wow. Really sad. That's horrible. Imagine if you die because of electricity and it just means you're trapped. <gasps> Imagine there's, because we know, yeah, there's energy. a lot we don't know yeah. about electricity, right? Yeah. And I just wonder if, yeah, how awful would that be? You're stuck. Not good. No. No? No, better not to think about that, I guess. No, good, good call. White smoke. I should start by saying that strange things have happened to me frequently ever since I was a child, but I've always shrugged them off as coincidences or ignored them for the sake of my sanity. Good call. One incident, however, stands out to me among many because it was different from anything that I had ever experienced before. It happened when I was 15 years old and is one of the most vivid experiences I've ever had. My sophomore year of high school, I was very excited come the end of March because I was participating in an annual trip, my school does, called the European Trip. Oh, they really uh, really dug deep for yeah, that. Yeah, I wonder where they go. <laughs> on, these, on these trips, anywhere from 40 to 50 students are taken for a little over a week to tour a country in Europe. That year, the trip was to Greece and Italy. We spent four days in Greece and then took an overnight ferry to Italy in which we stayed another five days. The ferry was a good size, very modern inside and brightly lit. The only times it actually occurred to me that I was even on a boat was when my roommates and I went looking for our room and the narrow hallway would bob with the waves. The rooms were divided with four girls in each room, and they were very small. There was a tiny bathroom with only a stand-up shower, a toilet, and a sink. Directly across from the bathroom was one closet. There were two sets of bunk beds, which were placed across from each other and a table between them. The room did not have any windows, which made it feel even more suffocating than it already was. When it came time to sleep, I took the bottom bunk on the left side of the room, and as soon as the lights went out, the entire room became pitch black. It was so dark, I couldn't see my own hand in front of my face. That was a little unsettling, admittedly, as it made me feel vulnerable in the dark since I could not see anything. I should mention that during the stay on the ferry, I did not feel spooked out or nervous or uneasy at all, as usually happens before something supernatural occurs. After sleeping for maybe a few hours, I woke up suddenly in the middle of the night. I wasn't jolted awake and I didn't actually hear anything. I just snapped my eyes open for whatever reason. When I opened my eyes, all I could see was darkness and what looked to me like white smoke right in my face. The smoke was the only thing I could actually make out in the darkness, and as I looked down my body where I lay, I saw it was hovering above the length of my body, almost touching me. My first thought was, when I saw the smoke, was, oh my god, I'm blind, because I literally could not see anything but blackness and white, wispy smoke that was slightly moving. I immediately turned around in the bed and turned on the light, but when I turned back, the smoke was gone. Huh. Interesting. I, I have been on an Italian ferry boat yeah. in, in an interior cabin. And the last thing you need is ghosts. The only place I've ever stayed on a cruise ship is an interior cabin. Oh, really? But I always bring a nightlight for the bathroom. Ah, uh, good thinking. M not because of ghosts, but more, and I mean, people die on cruise ships all the time. Um, but mostly so I don't walk into something on oh, my way sure. to the bathroom in the middle of the night. <laughs> a very long time ago, some friends had me over for my birthday. I want to say it was my 23rd birthday. Right. And, uh, they fed me tons of shots and we yeah. had a great time. They had me over at their place and they just let me crash in their spare room. So I right. didn't have to worry about getting home. 
Uh, but their spare room didn't have a window. Right. And the door shut very tight. Yes. So when I woke up in the middle of the you night. thought you were dead. No, no. I desperately needed to pee. Yeah. But I could not see anything. So I was stumbling around in the dark trying to find the door until finally I fell back asleep standing up. And in my dreams, no, I found the toilet. Oh no! So it turns out I peed in the closet. <laughs> did you tell them or did you sleep? Well, I woke up at about five in the morning because I peed and then went back to bed. Yeah, woke up about five in the morning, and immediately I knew what had happened. <gasps> as soon as I opened my eyes, oh my god! Oh no! So I went and found the closet, um, cleaned it all up with my shirt. Oh good. Took all the like literally secretly put all the clothes that I peed on in a bag. Yeah. Took them home, washed them. Brought them back. <laughs> wow. Because I have my own place. So I took them home, nice. washed them, put them back. So they did, uh, they didn't know for a while. Yeah. For, I think, a, I, let it, I let it go a couple years. Yeah. Before I told them that particular story. Did they laugh? Oh, yes. At that point, they, yeah, they At that point, they laughed. There That's was enough funny. distance. But, oh, man, as soon as I woke up, I knew, uh-oh, I, Brendan peed. <laughs> I uh, did a job two summers in a row where I would stay in people's homes um, doing vacation Bible school across Southern Alberta. Right. And a couple of times I was in guest rooms in the basement with no windows. And it's the only times I've ever truly been absolutely terrified. Right. Because you wake up in the morning, it's still dark. Oof. And if you have changed towns like I did every week. Right. Sometimes you wake up and you have no idea where you are. Oh, God. You don't know where anything is. You don't know if there's a lamp beside you. You don't know anything jesus and yeah that's when i started bringing night lights not because i was like scared of the dark but if i knew it was going to be pitch black because that's the funny thing people are like oh no i have to have a room with a window yeah you're at sea it's still dark <laughs> out like there's no light out right. there so it's pretty funny and um interior rooms are just so much cheaper well that's true yeah yeah <laughs> no we we took the ferry the grandi navi velocity it was Ooh, called great yes. name mm. From uh, Tangier, Morocco to Genoa, Italy. Yeah, that's a popular route, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was very busy. Uh, however, we were the only people on board who spoke English. Oh, no. And uh, we were quite sick. You know, we, we got in the stomach bug in Marrakesh. Right. So we just spent the whole voyage reading and taking turns no. on the throne. No. And uh, yeah, it was a miserable existence. That would so, be. I mean, a, a ghost would have been fine. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Sure, why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> All right, and this is our last story. It came from the sea. In July of 2012, my boyfriend Kevin and I were on vacation at the cottage he inherited on a small island a few kilometers off the coast of France. The island, Ile de Gras, which again I'm probably mispronouncing, is accessible only by ferry and doesn't have much to do on it, but we do like to go there for quiet vacations. So one clear and moonlit night, we went out around midnight for a ride on the island, as we usually did. We headed to a beach whose name I can't remember, but it borders along a small family vacation village, VVF. A quick description of the area. The VVF is situated in a big curve bordered by a small road, alongside which is a strip of grass and sand. When standing on this strip, you have a really nice view of the beach and the sea below. The road and village are situated on kind of a steep cliff, and the beach is down a set of sheer, narrow stairs. Kevin and I were standing by the road on a strip of sandy grass for like 10 minutes looking down at the sea. It was a calm, clear night and we hadn't seen anyone during our ride. The beach below was empty. No night swimmers as the water in Brittany is cold even in the summer. No young people having a party. Nothing. So we were standing on a cliff, facing the sea, when suddenly straight ahead of us we saw a human-shaped figure get out of the water and hurry across the beach. That in itself is unexceptional, but the figure was pitch black contrasting with the clear sand, and did not reflect any moonlight. Uh-oh. 
We first thought it was someone skinny dipping, but the problem with that is when you're leaving the sea, you first swim to the shallows, then stand up and walk out of the water. This figure gradually went out, all the time standing straight, as if it was walking on the bottom of the ocean. Moreover, Kevin and I had been looking at the water for a while and never noticed anyone swimming. At least 10 minutes. Hmm. The weirdest part is once the figure got out of the water, it headed straight ahead to the foot of the cliff where we were standing. But it wasn't walking or running. It was sliding on the sand. A pitch black figure with indistinguishable face and features, sliding fast as hell on the sand, not moving its legs or anything, and leaving no trail behind. We stared at it silently until it got a few meters away from the foot of the cliff. Then, without talking, without consulting each other at all, we decided to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> we never saw or heard of this creature again, and nothing strange happened during the rest of our vacation. But I'll never forget that night and the dread I felt. <laughs> right? No kidding. That is terrifying. The ocean sucks anyways. Then you have a shadow person coming out of it? <laughs> well, it's good to know they're multi-use creatures. I guess. Yeah, because nowhere is safe. No. That's, that's really no, sure. No, no, no. Even the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're going to do another shadow person episode towards the fall. I'm just going to call it that. Nowhere is safe. <laughs> Pretty much. Jesus. Where there is no light, there are shadows. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Deep. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for the terror of the deep. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our patron shoutouts and listener mail. Welcome back. Thanks to our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain, as always, for their work on this episode. I guess we'll start off with our patron shoutouts. Mm-hmm. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our newest patrons. Stephen Downing. Heather McGinnis. Katerina Zakruski. Z- I'm sorry, Katerina. Zakazuski? Katerina Zakruski. We're going to go with that, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. Jonas Farr. Maria Roshan. Liz and Olivia Emmons. Phil. Dylan Harkrider, Christine Heron, Jean Costantino, and Maria Plover. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, we had yeah. a real rush of patrons the last couple of weeks. And, we uh, did. I can't tell you, especially w- things being kind of shitty for me over in uh, the city there. It was, it's just nice to see. It's nice to get the emails. It's nice to, to hear from folks. And it's nice to know that we got the support. Yeah. You know? Like not just verbal support. People are actually sending us money. So yeah, thank which, you for that. As I am unemployed right now, it's very helpful. Very helpful. So thank, thank you, you so much. And if you'd like to become one of our patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at the one, five, ten, twenty, and fifty dollar levels. Five dollars and up is where the goodies start. You get access to our once monthly water cooler episodes where we talk about the things we've been doing, food we've been eating, TV shows we've been watching, and so on. $10 and up, you get access to our monthly live show, which we broadcast on via, on Patreon, and that's just a chance for us to hang out with you. 
hear your thoughts. You can ask us questions. And uh, it's been fun. We've done two so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're making a habit because we, well, we've done more than that, but two official ones with both of us. And that's uh, a lot of fun. It's getting to be a real thing. At the $20 level, you start getting into the real good stuff. You get access to Ian's smash hit 1995 Christian country album, Aware oh, of Wonder. God. You get three art card postcards of my night photography. That is actually worth getting. (laughs) (laughs) And you get one of our Ghost Force magnets. Our Patreon exclusive Ghost Force magnets. Ghost Force. Ghost Force. So you can find all that over at patreon.com slash ghost story, guys. And uh, you certainly don't have to, but we appreciate it. And uh, we just appreciate you listening. Either way. And on that note, don't forget to uh, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, share the podcast with people. That is honestly the biggest way we get new listeners. And and we appreciate it because nothing says this is awesome like a personal endorsement. Absolutely. And uh, I, I have something to add to that, but I'm going to wait because we have a listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. We'd like to thank everyone who sends us a message on yep. the various platforms. Uh, we do prefer email mm-hmm. uh, as far as that goes. You can email us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com and we will always get back to you. Uh, although the correspondence is increasing to the point where it may not be possible to get back to everyone. Or at least not in the same speed you have been used to. Yes. But we, we do love hearing from you. We do. We, we love getting your stories. Yeah. We're building towards another listener stories episode in a couple months. Yep. So if you have a personal paranormal encounter, we'd love to hear from you. So the following people got in touch with us since the last show. Thank you, Heather, Henry, Joshua, Sam, May, Kevin, Sarah, Jonas, Allison, Rebecca, Justine, Katie, Jim, Anna, John, Raylin, and Noel. Yay! Thank you everyone for writing in. It was pretty great. Uh, we had a comment on our Facebook page, and, I, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the uh, the gal who posted this, but uh, there were two actually I wanted to address. One, she said that she is not a believer, but she really enjoys our show for the stories. And that's a really fantastic compliment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because we, we want this to be a place where everyone can get together and enjoy these things Yeah. without having to subscribe to a particular kind of belief. You know, we've expressed our opinion on certain schools of belief many times (laughs) in the past. And it's really reassuring to know that we are succeeding in creating the space that we're trying to create. Absolutely. So uh, again, I I, I don't recall your name. It was it was a Facebook comment, but thank you so much. If you post something to our wall, we're pretty useless with that. We are. Uh, so I would send, just send us an email. Yeah. Because we have this message from Aiden and I completely missed it. But, uh, she said that love your show, uh, was listening to episode 43 and had to pull over to send this message. Thank you for your brief conversation about boundaries and how to treat women and how to be mindful of their comfort levels. Hearing this made my heart so full and full of hope. And, uh, Aiden, I, I responded to your message now. This, you sent this in November. But oh my Lord. I know we're idiots. <laughs> we're idiots. But, uh, thank you for that. Again, yeah. we, we try not to make uh, sort of a, a point out of social issues on this show, you know, but some things I think can't be left. No. And, and we make jokes, but you, I think you guys know who we really are. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And you know where we stand. Yeah. And, and, uh, absolutely. So again, if, if this is a space where you can come and you can relax and you can feel safe, then we've done our jobs. Exactly. Cause you, you can't say I'm an ally. It doesn't work like that. No. You know, that that's like saying, I'm a good person. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to make that distinction. I'm the humblest man here. That's right. <laughs> but you know, if, if, if people feel safe around you, then maybe that's, that's how they feel about you. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Huge. So if, if we can make you feel even slightly 
uh, safe or better, then, you know, we're, we're doing our job. And again, that's just nice to know. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, want to thank Stephen for being in touch continually about uh, he and his friend's trip coming up to Victoria in June. They're going to take us out for dinner. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I know. And we had a great conversation about tipping. Do Canadians like tips? Yes. As someone in the service industry part-time, I can tell you, yes, we do. 100%. 100%. And so, yeah, he was asking, you know, well, should I bring cash? Like, how much cash? I'm like, well, pretty much everywhere takes cards. Like, we're actually better at it than the States. Yeah, yeah. um, In terms of tap and interact and all these wonderful things. But do bring some cash for tips. Yeah, and you can always pull cash out too. It's yeah. not like the old days where you just have to get traveler's checks. No. Oh, God, no. No. No, I we're mean, quite modern here in the old Canadian land, so. I was actually reading about something the other day. Um, I'm, I've am i started selling prints of my photos through uh, through PayPal. Oh, nice. So I can just send an invoice. Yeah, and, yeah. And someone else was asking if they could just pay me via Venmo or Cash App, and we don't have those in Canada. No. Uh, because, and I learned the reason Venmo and Cash App and those kinds of apps have popped up is because... There are so many banks in America. Yes. That, and they don't communicate. No. So that's just, it's the only really effective way to get money from one place to another. I know. It's terrible. Whereas and here in Canada, we have Interact e-transfer. Yeah. And we've is, only got like four or five major banks. That's it. So we, effectively, we have six major banks here and all of them talk to each other quite fluently. So shock, I know America, but our banking system is actually <laughs> far superior to yours and we don't have to wait for nine days for check to clear. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Banks are still garbage, oh, but evil. we can transfer money around more easily. Very easily. Yeah. But yeah, I thought, I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. I, I, I didn't no know. Idea. I honestly assume money laundering was the reason we didn't have Venmo <laughs> and the other ones because it's just too easy. Oh no. It was, we've learned uh, recently in the news in BC, money laundering is uh, alive and well oh, without yes. the help of Venmo. Thank you, casinos. Yes. <laughs> I guess that's going to do it for listener mail. Yep. So do we have anything coming up? We really don't. Not really. It's uh, it's a slack time. Yes. Uh, I've got the occasional ghost walk, but nothing to nothing major. Right. Uh, I was going to say, there's a couple of folks I'd like to shout out. Paul uh, Bestel, he launched Mysteries and Monsters. Yes. And he I, was a delight. Oh man, we, yeah, we did an interview with him a couple months ago. Yeah, about, he was fun. A month and a half ago. And it was a lot of fun. I'm really yeah. looking forward to hearing that actually. Yeah, me too. Because it's very much us being a lot more honest about, because we didn't talk much about ghosts. We talk about sort of the struggle uh, that we had putting the show together yeah. and kind of continually keeping the show going. Yeah. And so it was fun to be able to talk about something that's a little bit uh, left to center. Yeah, it was. You and know, he just let us go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his show, Mysteries and Monsters, is now available on all the major streaming services. And his first episode, he talked to some of the guys behind these small town monsters films. Yeah. And it's really great. Yeah. Paul knows his stuff. He's a good yeah. interviewer. Yeah. I recommend you check it out. Yeah, he's fun. We will be episode number three, I'm told. So, oh, okay. Yes. Nice. So I, I'm excited to finally hear that. We should have done that. What's that? Made our, we should have recorded like four or five episodes and then... You keep saying one. that. We should have. Oh, oh, it's the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We oh, should. no, not now. It's too late now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wheels on the bus are clunking along <laughs> now, but right. at the beginning, because the first episode, it's, yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing. I, I went back and put a disclaimer on the first three episodes. <laughs> did you really? I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, hello, we don't know what we're doing. I said, hi, this is Brennan from the Ghost Story Guys. Prevailing podcast wisdom is that you record five shows <laughs> and then release the fifth so that by the time you go public, you know what you're doing. We didn't do that. We didn't, do, and our equipment and technique reflect that. <laughs> yes, do they ever? So there is a bit of a disclaimer. Okay, on good. There. Oh, I'm pleased to hear that. Thank yes. you. 
<laughs> uh, the other show I wanted to shout out is We Need to Talk About Ghosts, mm. hosted by Kevin Eustace. He's crazy. Oh man, I love that show. I love hearing him talk. I yeah, he's got a, he's just great. He is so fun. And uh, yeah. Kevin got a hold of us a little while ago, and uh, we sort of been talking back and forth. Yeah. And um, I, I listened to his show and. Just tons of fun. Yeah. I, I've, I've been downloading back episodes now and, uh, he seems to really enjoy what he's doing. He's got a great rhythm. He does. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. He has more energy than the both of us. He is so funny. And I love- If you've heard, if you've heard Anthony on one of our episodes, he's like Anthony on an accelerant. He's got that <laughs> yes. sort of, that sort of energy and his mind works quick and he's just, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure to check out, we need to talk about ghosts. You can mm-hmm. find that on all the major streaming services. And, uh, yeah, he's, seems like a good dude. He's going to be recording a bumper for my radio show soon, which I'm excited about for a station ID. But, uh, yeah, so make sure to check out both Mysteries and Monsters and we need to talk about ghosts. Excellent. Big thanks to our musical guests, Steel City Ruins, for their song 191 Mountain House. That's their newest single and you can find more from them at steelcityruins.bandcamp.com and on all the major streaming services. Oh, our new, uh, t-shirts. Right. The neon logos. Yes. If you want to pick up some Ghostery Guys merch, head on over to ghostoryguys.threadless.com or to bit.ly slash GSG merch. That takes you to our Redbubble store. The Redbubble's, we're more or less exclusively Redbubble now, but we're going to leave the Threadless store up because it's there, but we're not updating it. Right. Uh, But we've just added, uh, I want to say three or four new designs courtesy of the Canadian artist Becky Campbell. Mm -hmm. She took our classic Ghostery Guys logo and uh, came up with neon variations. So we have a, uh, blue, red, pink, and I think orange yeah. neon variations up in the, in the store. And there are some examples on our Facebook feed now and Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we had, I was, uh, Brianna, Brianna she yeah. bought one of the orange ones. It looks great. It does. It looks fantastic. She bought a baseball shirt yeah. with it on there and I bought a black uh, tee with the pink logo and it looks pretty snazzy. Yeah. She did a really good job. Thanks for doing that by the way. Yes, absolutely. No, Becky's a, Becky's a talented artist. Thanks as always to Peter of Pizzanta Music for our theme song. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash music. If for some reason you want to hear more of my voice, you can find me over at Largely the Truth. It's my weekly music show on 92.5 Stoke FM. If you're not in the local broadcast range, and I assume you're not, you can listen to it. Because <laughs> uh, nobody is. No. <laughs> you listen to it at stokefm.com or via the TuneIn app. And again, that's Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Pacific. It's an hour long. And I just... Mostly I just play music. I play uh, whatever the soundtrack to my brain is at that particular point in time. <laughs> so you can head on over there. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both of which are at Largely the Truth. And over on Instagram, as I mentioned, I do a lot of night photography. And the pictures you see there are for sale. I'm selling prints now. So if there's one you're interested in, send me a DM and we'll figure it out. As for the show, we are also on Instagram at The Ghost Story Guys. I'm quite proud of our Instagram account. Uh, we have Good. a lot of oddball shit on there. I, I've heard from a couple people that our memes are very on point. Yes, thank yes. you. Yes. Uh, so yes, that's primarily it's memes. Most of them not paranormal, but uh, yeah, we get them from Luke and I send some in. And yep, you yep, find the listeners and... send some in. Yeah, no, it's tons yeah, of fun. Yeah. It's a big old party. It's a big old Instagram party. <laughs> and we're also on Facebook at the Ghost Story Guys. I guess that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And until then, into the darkness we go.
Cruise coming up. <laughs> Which I will probably die on. Yes. Yes. Like those poor Italian people. Send your applications to. <laughs> All right. Where you see my footsteps, my child. Oh, stop. <laughs> he put the crabs in the bucket. Nope. Okay. No one remembers that. No <gasps> one remembers that. Dare you? Yes, they do. I guarantee you someone will say, hey, I, I remember that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the star. Oh, God. Great, I'm your Ed McMahon. <laughs> Perfect. A rope, a soap, and a... <laughs> yeah. Remember? No? No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I dreamt it. <clears throat> it worries me that you're dreaming about me. <laughs> no. Morning <laughs> haircut today. Very exciting. Fancy. You and your a little less werewolf. Infuriating mane of hair. <laughs> Boo. <clears throat> Sorry. Great. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I like to share. I'm a sharer. I'm yeah, a sharer. you're a giver. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. Sapper Kelly's Search for Water. It was a bonus episode. That was the one from World War II. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. that was World War One. Whatever. It was a war. People died. <laughs> I get so picky with details. <laughs> right. It was me, young man. Jesus. Yes, that was World War One. World you. War One. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy alright I was in neither so that's probably <laughs> that's fair. poses that's, my confusion I think that you were still here is testament to that <laughs> can't imagine you either of us in warfare <laughs> no. it's hot I want to go home I'm just going to stay here you guys go ahead yeah, go team more <laughs> like guns <laughs> look at old farmhouse let's just hang out that's right I spy with my yeah, little eye that's right <laughs> but then you, you gotta get out there or counterpoint I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Let's just pretend the radio was broken. That's right. Court martial. That sounds like fun. Yeah. My bread, <laughs> bread and butter. Oh. <laughs> How you doing, mama? <laughs> I brought along my nephew to babysit. <laughs> These noise canceling headphones for the kids. <laughs> Got nothing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, cut that out. <laughs> no, no, you really? <laughs> I thought I was going to run with it. Yeah, we're going to put it in the Him and his Oh, jeez. That we've heard about because he has sex. You can't. <laughs> no, I can't put that in the show either. I can't say that. <laughs> men. <laughs> <laughs>